Have you ever wondered why your credit score is low? Do you want to get on the right track of start building generational wealth? If so, keep listening because this episode, I will discuss the benefit of being financially free and having financial confidence. Welcome to Financial Literacy for Caribbean People 101. I am your host, Nisha Steven, and this podcast is your literacy to financial freedom. back to another episode of Financial Literacy 101 for Caribbean people. I am your host, Nisha Steven, and in this episode, we will be discussing Black Caribbean entrepreneur. With us tonight, we have a special guest, Nicole. She's going to introduce herself later, a little about myself. As I always said, I'm a mortgage agent right here in the GTA, and I strive to serve over um, Ontario. And I like to share information. What I do, I like to share information and educate, especially my people, about the importance of having home ownership, not even just to buy in real estate, but also to invest. So, Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast tonight. Please tell us a little about yourself. Okay, perfect. So, my name is Nicole Williams. Um, I, too, am a mortgage agent within the the greater Toronto area. I've been in the financial field since 2003. Um, I'm passionate about financial literacy. I am passionate about, you know, helping to educate our community on the importance of building wealth through real estate. I am so thankful to Nisha for allowing me, you know, to take space on her platform. And we're hoping that we'll be able to educate and share some nuggets for all of you who are out there, maybe perhaps interested in either A, becoming homeowners and or maybe even joining us in this great career choice of ours. Yes, yes, which is a good choice as well. There are many different ways we can do real estate. All right, so we're going to jump right into the question. And one of the first questions that I want to ask is, you know, Black entrepreneurs face a lot of challenges um, starting a business right here in Canada. So what are the obstacles that Caribbean people face in becoming business owners in Canada? Um, so from my experience, like I said, I've been in this industry since 2003. You know, I worked for one of Canada's top major banks, um, started off as a teller. I was um, a personal banker. I did like so many different hats before I even got into the mortgage space. And the access to credit and access to financing is perhaps one of the biggest hurdles, in addition to not knowing what's available, what's available, what is out there. Um, you know, they say information is key. And sometimes it's a matter of we just don't know what we don't know. Um, and what I learned through my years of navigating the financial world, learning the navigating the banking system, was that for a lot of um, our Black community, the Caribbean community, and many other minorities, it was the fact that, A, it was, you know, the concept of credit was relatively newer to us. You know, when we were back home, you know, depending on where you were, we never had the concept of our understanding of what a mortgage was or taking out a bank loan. You know, we had what we had was like our partner draws, our susus, or things like that to help bridge the gap. And people would build room by room by room. So just even the concept of understanding what that was, it was basically a learning curve, you know, for many first generation Canadians coming in, trying to navigate a whole new way and method of doing things. So I think one of the biggest challenges for our community is a access to information. And then once the information is there, a lot of them, unfortunately, 
are not necessarily established in a way that actually allows them success. I'll give you an example. Um, I work with individuals. A lot of my clients are self-employed. And a part of a lot of what I do is coaching them on how to be approved. So they are making money, but they're not depositing it into a uh, into a business bank or they haven't registered their bank, you know, or registered, sorry, their account. So in the grand scheme of things, when lenders are looking at them, they're looking at them and saying, well, if you're not declaring certain incomes to Revenue Canada, are we able to, to finance your particular project? Okay, okay, there I see it. Okay, and as we know, like Black business owners and entrepreneurs, they also contribute a lot in um, Canada here. So what will you say, well, you just talk of some of them, as some of the hurdles that you have to jump through in order to become your own business and order to start your business? Yeah, in order to start your own business, for anybody, there's going to be hurdles, right? Because it's a matter of, for some people, you might need that initial capital just to get be comfortable. You know, depending on if you're single, do you have a family? We recommend, you know, you should have some kind of cushion because depending on what you decide to get into, it might take a while before you start getting sales, right? Um, and then not everybody has that comfort level. So again, if you don't have access to cash, you don't have access to capital, maybe you don't have family that you can lean on, um, sometimes it does become a little bit more challenging for, for individuals. And then even if they do take the leap of faith and they weren't fully prepared, a lot of them are under a lot of stress because now you're worrying about how am I going to make my mortgage or my rent payment or how am I going to care for my kids while I'm still trying to build. And you know, Nisha, like I, like I do, it, there's a lot of, for some businesses, there might be marketing costs that might be required when you're first starting up. Yeah. There might be, you know, depending on if you have a lease, let's say you might be renting a location. There's so many little things and that's not taking away from your own everyday today actual spending and things that you need to do in order to maintain a roof over your own particular head. Yes, and as we know, like rent, especially in Canada, if you're renting your own apartment and then you're renting for your business, it's a lot of cash that you have to come up with. So a lot of people, they look at all that money and they think, how am I ever going to make it? Like if I yes. have to pay 2000 for my home, I have to pay another 2000 there. How? And they don't think about, okay, if let me just try, you know, because by starting, they never know what can happen, right? All right. So there are little data that we know about Black um, entrepreneur right here in Canada. So um, how is the bank holding back Black businesses? How will you say like the bank are holding back some of the Black businesses? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're in like, even though you and I would know that maybe there's not great access to um, resources that are available in their mind, they don't necessarily look at it and saying we're holding back the black community because they look at it and say that the policies are there for everyone and everybody must learn to navigate those policies right um what i will say they can do better though is communicating back to what i said yes how these things can work for us in particular so an example during covid there were a lot of different programs that were that were available to small business owners specifically as a relation to the fact that the government acknowledged 
that due to COVID, that there were a lot of businesses that did suffer turbulent times. The thing is, a lot of the things that you that were required by these government agencies, then which trickled down into the financial sector, they required a, a lot of documentation that unfortunately, a lot of these Black individuals and businesses did not have, right? Because Again, back to what I said, a lot of, of, of our community, unfortunately, was operating, but they were not operating, you know, in a legal way. Yeah, the legal way. Yeah, yeah in a legal way. And, <laughs> and not that they were doing it illegally, because on a technical standpoint, as a sole proprietor, you technically don't need to register your business. Like that, legally, you don't need to register your business. But when it comes now to financing and banking, the banks always want to see your business registration, right? So it's like now you're having conflicting information where in some agencies, you don't need to be a registered business, but then in other agencies and those agencies that typically allow for funding, they do need you to be legally registered. And as a result, if you're not legally registered, you're not filing taxes, you know, because some of the requirements were saying, if you didn't file taxes, you know, the last fiscal year, then you've, immediately eliminated yourself and what we were finding is disproportionately the black small business owners were at the helm of unfortunately um being you know almost disqualified just because they did not necessarily meet the standards because they did not qualify in that aspect exactly and as you said sometimes it's just as simple as having their business plan having something because these are all things that the bank might ask for okay well i need to see your business plan i need to see what assets you have in your business i need to see how much you think you're going to be earning in your business and if you can't prove any of these things how are they going to even able to lend you right that exactly see a lot of chase of what we do okay so we're gonna head right into what are some of the bank barriers oh well that's almost close do you Uh see in your own business or in starting your own yeah you're absolutely right so you know we can look at it as i said i've been um uh, in the mortgage space i've been selling mortgages for well over um close to 15 years right so again a with the major bank. And then I came on the independent space um, in the last eight years, right? So I've been doing this mortgage business for, for, for quite some time. I've seen different market cycles. I've been able to live it, experience it. Um, I know right now we're seeing such a big seller's hot market. Um, but I remember when it was the opposite, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, what I do see is, um, in especially in today's market with where prices are in the GTA, and not only the GTA, just across Canada, um, there's a lot of communities that are injecting um, down payments into their with their children. What I mean by this is because it's so super competitive in getting in, we have um, families who are taking equity out of their existing home and then giving and gifting. gifting. We're seeing sometimes $200,000, $300,000 to now their children for their children to be able to have substantial down payment for their purchase. The unfortunate part is that for the traditional majority of traditional Black families and Caribbean families who haven't been able to take advantage of such equity upliftments in the last many years, they're not in a position to be able to to tap into equity to now gift to their children. So now we're finding that um, the, the new generation of 
you know, Black individuals looking to now enter as first-time buyers um, or transitioning from, you know, new immigrants or things of that nature are not being able to kind of catch their breath in a sense to be able to enter because of the amount of a income you're going to need to um, successfully enter. And then also let's talk about the amount and you are going to need in a down payment, right? If the average home in the greater Toronto area is in excess of a million dollars, you no longer qualify for the, um, as a high, uh, for the high, um, sorry, for the first time home buyers, and you don't qualify as a high ratio mortgage, meaning that you have to put down 20% or more, you know, that's $200,000, right? And then for the average first time buyer, if you don't have access to 200,000, what does that leave for you? There was a report that said, I think about 40%, don't quote me, I, I can get you the statistics after, but I think it was around 40 to 50% of first time buyers in the last year got um, support from families. And when I say support from families, this was deposits that were being gifted to children of in excess of close to seventy-five dollars to $80,000 on average. When we look at now Black families and where they stood within those numbers, disproportionately, they were underrepresented. So this is a part of also, um, you know, Nisha, both you and I are in a, in, a, in a space where we have the ability to assist our community, to yeah. help people to build equity, to build wealth through real estate. But now it becomes a matter of providing now additional options and solutions that people perhaps don't think about. Because if we don't, we don't want where our community is now being left behind. Yes, because as you know, like, we come from, as you know, we come from the islands, as they will say, and there we, most of us, we have homes, we have our houses that is already yes. built, but, as, and we don't really deal with equity, uh, those things, but there, nobody's fighting that, oh, my house is building equity, I'm, I'm getting money. So when you come here, you are not really educated enough that here, it's a different process that we are going through in Canada. Here, if you have real estate, if you have a home, you're building equity, you're building wealth, you're building generational wealth. Most time, as you know, like, we, our parents who come from the Caribbean and come here, they have to start from scratch. Yes. Start from scratch. So they don't have that money, that generational wealth to pass on, you know, through history. So now even our generation now still have to start from scratch <laughs> because yeah, 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 not yeah. able to pass anything down to us. So we are starting from scratch and that's where we are trying to educate our generation that we can't do that to our children. We have yes. to start building that generational wealth so we can pass that gift as every other culture on to our children, right? So yes. one of the last questions that I have for you tonight was, what does the Canadian financial sector exclude? Oh, sorry. Does the Canadian financial sector include Black entrepreneur and how do you think they do that? So um, again, it's I don't think that they intentionally exclude <laughs> Black entrepreneurs. I just think that they're just really, for some people, they're just lost. They, they really, um, and I, and I really have noticed this, um, as my, you know, from my career, I do a lot of advocacy work, 
I'm a part of the Mortgage Professionals Canada, as you can see. Um, and, you know, this week, you know, you got me at a very, uh, I know it was a very busy a couple of weeks for me, but this week was actually what we call Hill Week. And Hill Week is where we have the opportunity to have conversations with different MPs, let them know what our concerns um, are. Uh, mortgage Professionals Canada represents over 17,000 um, mortgage professionals and lenders within the space with throughout Canada. So, you know, we had three different asks, right? One of them was to increase the, um, the insured amount from 1 million to $1.25 million, um, which would definitely significantly assist families. Um, the second ask was to increase the amortization for um, high ratio mortgage from 25 to 30 years. And we also asked for a leveling off on how they qualify um, also high ratio mortgages. So instead of having it at the 525 and or 200 basis points above the contract rate, we're asking them just to make it evil, even keeled at the 200 basis points above, because we found when rates were sitting at 1.89%, we were having to qualify clients at a 5.25 rather than at, you know, 3.89, which would have made it a lot more affordable for certain clients to enter. And let's be real, when we talk about certain clients, we are also talking about minorities, right? Because disproportionately speaking, minorities, back to what we said, we don't have the luxury of having, you know, bank of mom and dad, where they're gifting us 200000 and $300,000. So by extending the amount that one could utilize from the high ratio mortgages, it allows for better access, right? Number two, by increasing the amortization, we know that helps with cash flow. A lot of families are feeling tight. Um, and, you know, when we can help to decrease the amount that they're putting out, you know, everything is up, gas is up, you know, food is up, like everything. Yeah, so it, it just helps, right? So when we talk about the Black community, these types of initiatives will impact our community specifically because we do not have the luxury as other communities have had. Is it enough? I will not lie to you and say that it's not enough. It isn't, you know, um, but what I realize is um, we do have to begin a plan and conversations like this do help, right? Um, getting involved and being a part of, you know, what's happening socially, culturally in our communities, lending a voice. Because like I said earlier on, a lot of these people don't know because sometimes unless if things directly impact you, you don't realize, right? And if, if one person is getting a $200,000 deposit and all of their friends in their circle are getting a $200,000 deposit, a lot of people are now in this thought process or brainwashed to believe that that is the norm when that in fact is not the norm. So what ends up happening is now we're building, um, unfortunately, a lot of divide and this wealth gap which is now being driven through what's happening in today's society is what is one thing that really does have me concerned. Because historically, if we are looking at what has happened in the past, unfortunately, the disenfranchised are the ones who typically 
um, get the the raw end of the deal, if you want to put it that way. And, and and you know, our black community is a is, is traditionally a part of or one of the members in that disenfranchised in disenfranchised club, right? So now it becomes a matter of how do we make this this different? So it's a it's educating ourselves, getting access to information connecting with people like yourself, Nisha, that are here on a mission to really help, you know, connecting with people like myself who are doing things, you know, being strategic with your alliances. Um, Maybe you might not be able to purchase your first home on your own, but maybe collaborating and working with other people. Yes. Right. So there's so many solutions. And I know you have ideas as well. Right. And that's the mistrust that I always said, especially for us Caribbean people, we we don't trust each other enough. Like mm-hmm. you see other culture, they are building together, they are buying together, but there's something when it comes to our Caribbean people and our black that it's just the trust of, okay, somebody like, it's always, okay, if we buy this property together, somebody have to be the owner. Like we, nobody have to be the owner. We are all owners, right? Exactly. Always bring confusion and conflict. So this is why we are trying to educate, you know, like bring this education to them that, there are ways, there are a lot of ways that you can start building and we have to start from somewhere, right? Exactly. So this is how we are trying to tell them. This is how we want you to start. Because as you see, most Black, especially right now, their income, their average income annually, it's about forty-eight dollars to $50,000. And it's not enough. It's not enough mm-hmm. money to even get you something. So you need to do some hustling, get some second job somewhere, right? So these yeah. are things that we're trying, if you can't do it yourself, you can reach out to financial advisors. Let us try to put a plan in place for you where you can get, get some side hustles, you know, do something yes. and bring yeah. in that other income. Because even as you look at the, the house, um partnering that they're bringing in now to help 200 families the income yeah. that they're offering right is still sixty two thousand dollars and most black families is not making that exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's still that's still an issue for some black that they, they can't even afford to even qualify for that program so there's so much education that needs to be done inside our black community so what are some of the advice or any advice that you have for any new immigrants or even black who is already here and trying to survive trying to get their first home what advice can you give them so my first thing would be it's understanding where you stand right like uh, if you have a goal I've always been that person that if I have a goal, I'll write it down. I visualize, I have vision boards. I've always done that since I was a, you know, younger. Um, but then it's also about figuring out what it, what is required in order to make that dream come true. So before I ever bought a first home or a first property, I, I made sure I sat down, I figured out my numbers. How much did I need to make? And I knew at the time when I ran those numbers, I wasn't making enough. But the reason why I did that is because I wanted to know what the gap was, you know? So if you know you make $60,000, but the home of your desires requires an income of a hundred grand, you know, you have a $40,000 gap. What are you going to do to bridge the gap? This is what we talked about, Nisha. Are you hustling? Are you looking for a new job? Are you getting another part-time job? A lot of my clients will come to me and I say, hey, 
in order for you to buy this, you got to make this. And right away that inspires them to like get their button gear, right? So yeah. one, know your numbers. Because until you know, you really won't know what you're working with. Number two, I remind my clients is real estate is golden anywhere, right? Am I telling you to buy per property anywhere throughout the world? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is don't get caught up in only thinking you can only buy in one specific area. Okay. Some people get so caught up and say, Oh, I live in Toronto now. I'm not looking to leave Toronto. Right. Other countries invest in real estate (laughs) and just invest, just invest. You know, I share a success story that I've had with one of my clients and um, before he could like, so he was, he's a single man making a good income, but he couldn't afford to buy where he lived in, in Toronto. Okay. So he decided he was going to buy his first property was going to be an investment property. He bought it in St. Catharines. He still lived at home, bought the property in St. Catharines. A year passed by. And because the properties in St. Catharines were so cheap at the time, I think he probably put down about $10,000, right? So by the next year, another opportunity came up for him. Also in St. Catharines, he bought a second property. So in the space of no time, he bought two investment properties, again, both in St. Catharines, while he was living at home. Some friends were saying to him, oh, my God, why are you still living at home? But they didn't know his plan. Meanwhile, he's building up his his real estate portfolio. What we were then able to do is once that mortgage, one of the mortgages on that first property became due, we refinanced, we pulled the equity out of that first property, we pulled some equity out of the second property, and then he was able to buy the home of his desires. He took the equity from those two properties, he bought the home that he's in right now, which is a lovely, lovely home, and um, now he owns three properties two that are still the investment properties out in St. Catharines and his primary residence. So he basically showed that it is possible for you to get in real estate without necessarily the first property being your primary residence. And because he was diligent with his plan, within the matter of five years, he was able to purchase three properties, two, and all three of those properties he still owns till this day. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I find, especially with Black, we always think that we have to pay off for everything. And, yeah. and I always say, don't try to rush and pay off your mortgage. Build yes. a company, take it out and invest in something else, right? Yes. But they'll be like, no, we got to pay it off. I want, I don't like to owe people. I, you know, like, stop that mentality. Yes. Let us use that money and invest. That's what we need to know. We need to build wealth. And this is how we're going to build wealth. Stop trying to rush pull the money out, invest in other properties, you will get there. You will finish paying off eventually. But we want to have financial freedom. That is what we want to see for Black Caribbean people, financial freedom. And these are the way we have to do it. We have to invest, educate ourselves. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for being here. Um, Guys, I'm telling you, if you want to have professional, go to Nicole. You can find her on Instagram at I am Nicole Williams. If you have any question i can even pass you on to her you know like she's yes. here to help i'm here to help and if i can't help you i'll put you on to somebody else who can help like we are just here to help we are not here to tell to pressure you we are just here to help you 
Well, what I want to say, Nisha, is I want to say thank you so much for this opportunity and continue the education. Like uh, uh, you, what you're doing is invaluable. I believe that what you're doing is, is great for our community. And I'm trusting that everybody that is connected to you will be blessed. Your hands are blessed. Thank Your territory you. will increase. And remember, um, at the end of the day, you know, education is key, right? And, you know, each one teach one. So as you learn, you know, you have a duty to pass on the information. So through this podcast and this opportunity, Nisha is going to impact the nation. And we are so thankful for that. And again, I speak nothing but blessings over you and your family and your business. Thank you so much. Thank you again. And guys, have a pleasant evening. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for tuning in to Financial Literacy 101 for Caribbean people. Until next time, stay blessed.